They say this is a big rich town I just come from the poet's part Bright light city life, I gotta make it This is where it goes down I just happen to come up hard Hey, what is up everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby And you're now listening to The Powercast And uh, we are back after a week break um and you know you can blame stars for that one because they seem to like taking breaks and you know during these breaks the bootleggers tend to come out you know so that's all i'll say but um (laughs) uh yeah today we are going to be recapping power book two ghost season three episode nine a last gift um and of course i am joined by mr richard bailey jr how are you doing rich Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? Um, and I see you, you got your, your little nickname there. It says SEC officer. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, I was very active in helping to take down uh, Weston Holdings in this episode. You didn't see me on camera because, again, budget concerns. But it sounds like I was needed throughout this entire week to also take down the people responsible for leaking these episodes. So, uh, yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous, but don't worry. We're not going to spoil nothing on this episode, but, uh, yeah, we are going to talk about a few things for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we're, we're, we're definitely not going to spoil anything for the people who are, you know, following, uh, legitimately, but you know, um, yeah. The bootlegs are out there. We we saw it before the bootlegs anyway, but, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, just, just to clarify, we're not going to spoil episode 10. Obviously, we're going to talk about episode 9, all right? So I just want to clarify that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. I meant we're not, we're not going to spoil episode 10, but obviously episode 9, this is all about yeah. episode 9 today. So, uh, but yeah, um, SEC officer, and, and you're right about the budget thing because they definitely blew the budget on this episode, on episode nine. <laughs> yeah. like, you, you see who was yeah. in this episode, you know? So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we are also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie, aka Many Men. What's up, Dana? You know, many men, they wish death upon me. Blood in my eyes, and I don't know the rest of the words, but the point is, back. I can tell you like all the lyrics right now. I'm loving all the lyrics, especially the part where it says many men. Because, you know, there's mm-hmm. many, many, many men. Yeah. In the men. So I can, I can guess that you have um, a parallel to, to paint a little layer that, that kind of connects with the song and the story. So I can't wait to, to, to hear what Maybe. you Maybe. I just, I just also want to shed a light, a spotlight on the fact that this song has like had a resurgence of this year. You had it in AEW and the way how it was framed and used with the guns, you know, the the the, the, the gun the, the the tag team, not actual guns. For those who don't watch AEW, they're like guns. But the tag team, the guns, and how that was framed, and then many men came up and they was in, in New York. And then this with Tommy coming back and we're getting crossover. So, high five to many men. Yeah, and it's actually 
um, 20, 20 years exactly since that song, you know, came out, like came out 20 years ago. So um, very, very uh, special. Well, many song, men are old right album. now. Jesus, 20 years. Oh, yeah. More like many yeah. old men. <laughs> I definitely feel old because, you know, I was like, I was in college when that came out. And yeah, it's crazy to think that's 20 years ago. But anyway, um, we are here to talk about power. I know the people are excited, you know, um, and this episode, wow, you know, crazy episode. Um, so there is lots to talk about, but before we get there, before we get to the takeaways, I just want to remind the people, please do show your support, hit the like button. It's very important. Do leave your comments. Let us know, you know, what you think. Um, try not to talk too much about episode 10, just in case there are people who don't want spoilers. Um, I know we all know what happens, but, you know, try to kind of just focus on nine for, for, for this, you know, for this particular video. But um, definitely let us know your thoughts. Um, and yeah, hit the subscribe button also and be on the lookout for more content in the future. And uh yeah, so with that out of the way, we can get right into our takeaways. And it is my turn, actually, to go first this week. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right into this. Okay, so first thing I, I really liked about this episode is um, because we know episode eight was, that was such a, a major episode as well with how it ended, you know, with um, Sax you know, being killed by Theo Rollins, like that was a major thing. So what I liked about episode nine is that it didn't kind of just carry on. Like it made you feel that loss. Like there were real consequences throughout this whole episode of Sax, you know, being killed. Um, we and, and we saw that he had contingency plans as well. Um and we see those plans play out throughout this episode. So clearly, you know, this guy, he was he, he was a deeper character than we thought because he had all of this stuff as backup. So he was kind of expecting at some point to possibly, you know, get caught and potentially get killed. So he had all of this stuff planned, like just to think that was was was, was kind of crazy, and it adds some more depth to his character. And um, even though you know, all through through all of these years we've been watching Power, I kind of saw him as an annoying character because you know he's he's the guy that's always kind of you know like trying to expose the the main characters, and he's being slimy and uh, backstabby and stuff. But you know this this episode just kind of added some some more depth after the fact, and it just kind of empowers the performance of the actor even more. Like it makes you know the character feel more important to to the show. You kind of feel his um, the weight that he had on the show because he has been there since the very first season of Power. So you know, I, I like that they did so much with with him passing away in this episode, like, you you really felt the consequence, so they did a great job with that, you know, we had the scenes where um, Jenny was was kind of mourning him, you know, I mean, first of all, she she was the one to kind of see his body and stuff, and, and you know, she saw his body in the morgue, and 
reacted to it, broke down in tears and stuff. And then you have the scene later on where she receives a letter from Sax and um, he's kind of, you know, trying to calm her down and get her to like, you know, walk away from the case and stuff because these people are dangerous, but she, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't take his advice. Of course, um, she, you know, instead she doubles down and she vows to, to take them all out, you know, basically make them all pay. So, um, so yeah, there's that. And then we see, you know, we see other things happen with sax. First of all, you know, Monet gets a letter from sax. Um, and he's trying to tell her that Tariq is the snitch basically. So that kind of, uh, it makes it, it plants a sense of doubt in Monet's mind, I guess. Um, and then, you know, Diana as well, uh, kind of, kind of hits them a little bit. Um, so that was interesting. And then, um, and then we have the whole, you know, two-bit Tommy thing, which I'm going to talk about a bit more in a sec. But yeah, like, my first takeaway is really just, I, I like that they did so much with Sax, Sax's death. You know, they didn't just move on. Um, they made it, they made you really feel it. Like, it, it meant something. This death actually meant something. So I liked that. Okay, uh, second takeaway is... Monet and the Tejada family. So <laughs> Monet's lies have finally kind of caught up to her in this episode. Um, so first of all, you know, we see we see that Evelyn comes to to visit Monet and stuff, and she's kind of confronting her over the whole Gordo thing. And Drew overhears the conversation, and then you know, when when Evelyn's gone. He, you know, Kane is there as well. And he, he basically decides that, you know, we, we need to take them out now, you know, because they, they know too much now. And, you know, so <laughs> we see them take out the, the whole, they wipe out the whole Castillo family, which uh, that that's, it's a little underwhelming how it happened. I have to say that because like, we're talking about a whole family here, like a whole, <laughs> like how many brothers were there? Like, they were like five brothers or something, but it felt like 12 because there was just like so many extras in that family. But, but yeah, like it was just, just the way they wiped out the whole family. I mean, first he, he took out Gordo and now, you know, just in, in one fell swoop, they take out the whole Castillos. Like it felt like they weren't even a concern in the first place, just how, with how easy it was. But with that being said, you know, they took them out. And with Evelyn's dying breath, she manages to tell Drew exactly what happened, you know, with Monet. Like, Monet is the one that wanted, you know, Lorenzo killed. So he manages, she manages to tell Drew that right before he kind of, um, he covers her, her mouth, nose and mouth, so that, you know, she she dies quicker. And then, um, and then we have this scene later on where, you know, Diana and um, Drew are kind of talking through what they've learned. Um, by this point, Diana has kind of confronted Tariq and she sneaks into his room and she finds the document, the Whitman document and stuff. Um, so, yeah, they kind of talk through their theories. They bounce around their theories and they come to the conclusion that, you know, Lorenzo 
killed Zeke and then Monet retaliated by killing him. And Kane walks in and backs this up because, of course, you know, he already knew this stuff. Um, he just didn't tell them. But, you know, he, he walks in and backs up their story. And then they decide that they're going to go and confront Monet. And we kind of get, you know, a nice little payoff scene of them bickering, like they're arguing back and forth. Things get really heated between Monet and Diana. You know, she's yelling at um, Diana and stuff. Um, and she, her whole thing is basically, I did all of this to protect you. And their whole thing is that, you know, we can't trust you because, you know, you, you might turn on us and take us out and stuff. And uh, Monet is just very obnoxious and, you know, she's pushing them and challenging them to, to fight and stuff. So it was a very, very interesting scene, very intense um, and, you know, lots of drama. And I have to say, I kind of liked it. I liked this scene. It's, it's one of those kind of like, uh, you know, dinner scenes that Dana likes where they're all, you know, the dinner table scene is it's one of those. So I kind of like, well, uh, you're unmuted, Dana. Okay, there you go. But yeah, I really enjoyed the scene. Um, and yeah, it feels like Monet's, all of Monet's lies are catching up to her. Um, obviously, there's more stuff that's going to happen. Um, but for, for this episode in particular, I really liked, you know, that moment of her lies finally hitting her in the face and her family um, learning the truth, like, you know, seeing her true nature and stuff. So um, that was great stuff right there. Um, and then final takeaway. So two, first we see two-bit return, you know, um, and this is all coming off of the whole sex, you know, thing. He sent letters to everyone and he, he sent uh, particular letters to, to two-bit telling him uh, Tariq's family location. And I do like that they followed up on that from from the previous episode where um you know um because in that episode that was one of Sax's threats to Tariq where he said if anything happens to me you know I have the location of your family and you know I, I can you know wherever so I like that they did follow up on that and make that mean something and wow it, it meant a lot and you know first we see two bit show up and we haven't seen him since season one um, I remember us thinking that we were going to see him in force. You know, we, we thought we were going to see him in season two of, of book of uh, ghost, but we haven't seen him in a very long time. And uh, I mean, we saw him briefly when he argued with Diddy on Halloween, you know, <laughs> if you saw that viral video of uh, Diddy dressing up like the Joker, you know, we saw two bit then, but you know, besides that, we haven't seen two bit in, since since uh, season one ghost. So it was it was great to see the character return. Um, and, you know, that was a major pop right there. Like I was like I was cheering at that point, you know, um, and then they have the whole exchange where two bit wants his money back that Tariq still owes him. And Tariq is basically like, I don't have the money, but, you know, I have you can have drugs and guns basically. And then two bits, like give me the car too. 
you know, <laughs> and he literally takes Tariq's car, um, which was really cool because we see the moment that Tariq got the car in episode two or three. I forget which one, but you know, we we saw that moment of of glee that Tariq had when he got the car, and you know, even the Tahadas commented on it, you know, Drew and and Kane and stuff. And then now, you know, we see him lose the car. Um, and it's all because of, you know, his previous dealings with 2-Bit and stuff. So that was kind of cool to see. Um, and, you know, obviously it was in, in exchange for the location of where his mother is. Um, and then he, he actually goes there. Um, he drives 2-Bit's old uh, hoopty or whatever it is, you know. He, he, drives, <laughs> he drives the car to, um, to the spot. And um, he watch, you know, he watches outside and he sees his mother. He sees uh, his grandmother. Uh, there's guards there as well. And, you know, he kind of steps out of his car a little bit. And then um, Yaz is there. You know, Yaz is walking. She's walking home and stuff. So clearly they're, they're kind of comfortable with their location. They're comfortable enough to let Yaz walk around by herself and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has a little moment with Yaz. And then we see the car pull up, you know, Tommy's car, you know, right away. Like everyone, everyone knows his car by now. So as soon as we saw it, we was like, what? Like, what am I watching? Now, like I had a out of this world moment, you know, when this happened, because for a second, I thought, I thought my screener was messed up. Like I thought they sent me like, episode eight of season one or something like i thought did did they like did they <laughs> did they tape over this with uh with an old episode or something like i thought i thought i'd seen this already you know um but it was actually it was actually real like tommy was there and tommy stepped out of the car he killed the guards and he walked in the house and i was like wow what is happening like i at this point i was like I can't believe my eyes, you know, I can't believe what I'm seeing because I wasn't expecting this at all. I don't think anybody was expecting it really, unless you had it spoiled for you. Um, but I hope, I hope everyone didn't have it spoiled for them because it was, it was a major moment, like just seeing that. And then, you know, we see Tommy go after Tasha, uh, Tasha, you know, in the house. Um, he raises the gun. He's got a score to settle with her. Uh, because she she ratted him out and stuff, and then Tariq knows that he has to do something, so he makes his way to the house, and then we have we have a face off between Tariq and Tommy, you know, and Tasha is surprised to see Tariq as well, you know. You have all these different emotions and interactions going on, you know, and it's 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 amazing, um, and you know Tariq. He, uh, he drops a few lines that I believe were in the trailer where he says, you know, uh, wait, was that this episode? I don't know. But he basically he threatens Tommy, you know, I don't want to misquote anything and say the wrong line. But <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was an intense moment that they both have their guns held high. It looks like, you know, who it's like who's going to shoot first. One of the guards comes in, you know, um, and you know, Tony, uh, Tommy shoots him down. And then, you know, we have this moment of confusion where um, Tariq is knocked out. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to talk about what happens in episode 10, but 
just that moment right there where he gets knocked out and then it goes black and then, you know, he wakes up in the hospital. Like, that was, like, wow, because we didn't know who knocked him out. Like, it could have been anybody, you know. But when we first saw that, we thought that could have been anybody that knocked him out. You know, so there was a lot of speculation just from that moment um, about what really happened in that room. And then Tamika, um, you know, when Tariq wakes up, Tamika is there. And she tells him basically, you know, she tells him the bad news that, you know, um, well, first of all, the good news is that Yaz and his his grandmother are okay. Um, and then the bad news that Tasha is missing, you know. And then we see that shocked look on Tariq's face, like, and he he wants out of there immediately. Like, you know, he's trying to pull his all of the tubes out and needles, and um, I'm cringing a little because I hate needles, you know. But <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it was it was just amazing. Like the, that that last sequence of this episode made the entire season for me. Like this this is hands down my favorite episode of a ghost in you know probably like out of all of them you know this is one of my favorite episodes right here because just the way they dropped that was so unexpected and so incredible like they did a great job and then even before that that moment they did a great job with the episode um and of course a lot more happened in the episode like we had the whole um western holdings fiasco that happened uh which we're going to talk about a little bit but yeah th- this episode was amazing because um there were a lot of payoffs um a lot of things that they've been building up kind of happened if this was a finale i would have been satisfied with with that being the finale of the season you know this episode was that good so yeah that's that's my analysis. That's my breakdown on this episode. Um, it was it was very amazing. I loved it. But yeah, um, I'm definitely curious to see what you guys are going to have to say about it now. Can't wait to hear your thoughts as well. So I'm going to go ahead and get the floor to Miss Dana Abercrombie. So Dana, when you're ready, hit us with your takeaways. You stole my takeaways. So I have to revise my takeaways. It's all your fault. Boo you. Um, uh, what's really interesting is we finally got a body from Brayden that was solely Brayden. He didn't have to have help. You know, he didn't. He manned up and did it. And I think it's anger and frustration. And I had an argument back and forth whether or not it was a full body with intent to murder or if it was a manslaughter body. Um, but he done killed his uncle, y'all. He pushed him out the balcony and he fell and tumbled to his death below. It wasn't something brutal. It wasn't a shooting. It wasn't even beating to death, but it was something. And so we are finally seeing the evolution of Brayden. And I love how, even though this show, you know, it focuses it's on ghosts, obviously ghosts, but not ghosts, sorry. It's on Tariq, uh, Ghost Book 2, the chapter of ghosts. Um, but it also is fully developing its, its, what would you call the side characters who are just as important. And that kind of goes with what Gary is saying. Sex is there from the beginning. I want, maybe I believe 
not episode one, season one, but like still in season one. And to give him this final kind of goodbye piece, but also tie it in all together with all the loose strings that everyone had going forward, even from the original ghost to, to, to now with ghost with, with book two and two bit. I really liked how they did that. Um, it felt to me like a great send-off. We didn't get a funeral, but, you know, it just overall felt like a really great, I got the last laugh. And he wasn't able to get ghost or get the, the things that he really wanted to truly accomplish in the first iteration. But he got, he got what was important. He got the, he got the sun-ish in a way. He got the sun because we got Tommy. You know, and he knew the the rivalry and the hatred that Tommy has. So I thought that was just a really beautiful way to end the character. So with Brayden, we're getting the evolution of Brayden. We're getting the, you know, I want to be friends with you. To, you know, let's do drug dealing because it seems fun. To, no, I really like doing this because it's something that makes me makes me happy to, you know, him slowly evolving into having to do the dirty work, having to, you know, separate himself from the family. Because remember that whole, I think it was in this episode and the previous episode where he was like, you know, he, he's walking away from his family, essentially. And even when his father said, you have to do the things that you may not want to do, he, he didn't kill his uncle. So I think that this death is more important than to say, the random Russian guy who was the connect. You know, this has more meaning and more impact. And not only that, in a way it's freeing to, yes, him stepping away from the family, but you could argue it's freeing the family itself because of that whole Ponzi scheme situation. Now, here's something that I don't know that I wonder if it's gonna tie into either the finale or into the next season. Um, remember, right before he died, he Lucas made that phone call to Jen and Dim, basically saying, you know, I want complete immunity. What's it? I have to sneeze. Sorry. So sorry. I want complete immunity. And with that, I want you to look into Coinbase, Coinstar, Coindog, Coin something, Coincrash. Coin. Crash coin, I was close, dyslexic, I had it right. Um, point is, I wanted you to look into crash coin and not only look into crash coin, but this whole thing is drugs that's involved. And they know that this could connect to Stanfield, which connects back to Tariq and Brady. So here's the thing, I'm not a lawyer, I don't know how that works, but I don't think immunity is like, hey, I'm gonna just talk to you over the phone. And say like, yeah, you're immune. So this could still all be used and, and the whole family is still going to be, could be involved with this whole situation. And when, of course I would be like, well, he's not immune, but he's, he's kind of technically permanently immune from any charges because um, So I hope that they use this and don't drop this storyline come the next season. On top of that, what was very interesting, I also have to say, I hated that entire um, death sequence with the family, Evelyn's family, because it felt too convenient. Um, 
and it felt like there was a lot more ways for the guests to escape. You have the bathroom, the other rooms. You're telling me all the windows and all the doors were closed. That doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. And then on, on top of that, it just wasn't impactful. It wasn't effective. You know, this is someone that had ties to the family. They held each other's secrets. They killed each other's family members. And it just felt blasé to me. It felt like something that was a throwaway. And I really didn't like that. I wanted it to be more impactful. Even if you was to copy um, the Mayor of Kingstown, season two, episode three. Not to spoil what had happened here happens, but there was a huge house shootout. There was a, there was a shootout in a house that was very brutal and very violent and it felt very personal. I wanted that. That would have been more impactful for everyone to know this is what happened. Because remember, technically, only Evelyn knew what was happening, that she was dying and who did it. I want something that was like very personal. I did it. I have to take you out because I don't want to start a war. Not no, <laughs> and then I'm dead. What are, we, what are we doing with that? That's corny. And it felt to me overall like it was just a throwaway. Like, oh, we, we, we wrote ourselves into this problem. Here's quickly how we write ourselves out of it. You know, I didn't like that. And here's another thing. And this is why I still continue to not stand Drew. Drew causes all this mess and all this chaos. And he never cleans up his own mess. And you could argue and say, well, he, he shot Gordo. Yes, but you notice how Kane was right there. And to me, it seemed like Kane was going to do it. It just so happened that he that he found out, so he did it. And even then, that wasn't impactful for me as a viewer. But what's interesting is this. He said, this is what he said to the family. After Evelyn was like, I saw the tape. I saw it. I know he was involved. He says, this is my mess. And then it's followed by, you ready? We got to take them out. You're taking responsibility. Now, you're saying, this is my mess. Clearly, I started this. So this means to me, we're going to be responsible today. We're going to be an adult. We're going to be everything that you think you are. But then Kane says, we got to take them out. But instead of saying, if Kane's saying that, no. This is my mess. I have to take that out. This is when this to me is the opportune time to step up and to be a leader. And instead, this is a wee thing. It's a wee thing again. And I hate that with my soul. And it's like, yeah, we're brothers. We're in it to the end. But at the same time, I want you to take responsibility for the actions that you have created. And you're not doing that. And I cannot stand this character. And this is more why, once again, Kane is the one who is the leader. He's the leader in action. He's the leader in words. He's the leader in everything. And Drew, please just, like, you serve no purpose. Go to college or die. Because why are you here? I don't like it. Um, another thing about this situation is that I feel that overall, you know, this is very good. And we have to bring in Tommy. And you can argue Tommy is in this because... This is a loose end that has to be tied up. We've known this. They have this blood rivalry. Ever since, well, they always had this blood rivalry going back and forth, going back from the original power. But to me, 
you know, one or two things where we're writing this to finally close the chapter on this. I hope whomever it is wins this and we move on. But here's the thing. We know that Tommy still has his own show, right? And we have all come to the consensus. It's not very good in terms of the power structure of shows. Remember how we was all like, I don't want to see a Tariq show. This is going to be terrible. I want to see a Tommy show. That's going to be amazing. And then we got the Tariq show. We're like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then we got the Tommy show. And it's like, who is this? I don't like this Tommy. This could be one of two things in terms of we're getting the old Tommy back. All that whole retrib, you know, the whole, remember when he went into force and was like, I'm a new Tommy. You know, I'm going to be calmer. I'm going to be nicer. I got a brother now. And, and, you know, uh, me, another, what is it? He's going to be a nephew. So to me, it just feels like this could be us getting that old Tommy back because this is a rivalry that he has to dead. Or this could be him closing the chapter on that old Tommy life. I don't know what it is. I like the fact that they brought in Tommy, but I'm wondering if they brought in Tommy only to save force and to put eyes back onto force because no disrespect to the actor, the Sakura, no disrespect to any of the actors or no shows. My issue is with the writing. And I know you want to create something where there's a different Tommy, there's a new Tommy, but why do we watch force? Because of the old Tommy. This new Tommy. I don't know what y'all doing. Like, it's nice to show a multifaceted Tommy, but when you focus too much on I'm new and improved and calm and zen, that's not that's not going to sell all of us. I want the Tommy who came in there with the machine gun to, to blow out Proctor. Remember that scene, how ridiculously over the top? That was some Scarface things right there. And so with this, and to me, it gave me a small light and a chance that we're getting a little Tom-Tom. We're getting our old Tommy back. And therefore, I feel that could make Force Season 2 a bit stronger. We're getting that old Tommy back. I don't know if this is crossover in terms of it's going to start bleeding into the, the show over there. Um, this would be interesting. Um, also, it killed another bird with all the stones in terms of viewerships. Now, yes, the viewership is high, but it wouldn't it be a little bit higher if if we had some crossover? See, that's the only problem that I have with this. Um, when I spoke to the cast during, <clears throat> I believe it was the upfronts last year for the for the first that first season of Force. Joseph Sakura and 50 Cent were very upset that people were like, well, who's coming back on the show? You know, this is the show. This is our own identity. And I agree with that. I believe that the show should have its own identity. But there comes a point when you have to kind of recognize something is not working and maybe just bleeding in some of the other characters, interweaving them just a little bit is not going to hurt, but could help. You know? Maybe it's just me, but there's something about that nostalgia factor that actually is successful. It doesn't mean that you have to rely on it, but with this, why did we all like cheer when we saw Tommy? I was on the toilet when I when I saw when Tommy 
that car came in and I was like, no. And then we saw Tommy's face and I'm screaming hysterically on the toilet and everyone's thinking that I'm dying or, or I don't know what's going on. But there's a reason as to why I scrumped my screen when I saw Tommy on the toilet. And that was solely because, you know, there's that beautiful nostalgic feel of he is one of the best characters that is written today. But his own show needs some help. So just, just help the brother out. And maybe this could be a little crossover. There's nothing wrong with crossovers. We get it all the time. All American had all the crossovers. That's okay. Do it. And so the fact that we have, you know, him finally going and, and maybe killing Tasha. Tasha's being kidnapped. Maybe she's in the woods somewhere dying and bleeding out. Who knows? But this this could be something that's incredible and amazing and a little way bit more impactful than the gangs of what are we in Chicago I don't care not Chicago I don't, but I care about with what's happening with Tasha and why didn't you kill the baby why didn't you kill Yaz or the grandma grandma's been slightly annoying I'm okay with grandma dying why didn't you kill grandma but that's my rant on Tommy I'm very happy to see her back um him back sorry very happy to see him back. Um, I look forward to more surprises. And I think that was number two or number three or number something, but I just want to sneak in here very quickly. Um, the fact that I don't like Lauren. I think Lauren is just slightly just annoying at this point. She needs, I understand that she's isolated and everything else, but um, here's the thing. Lauren sent a text message to Tariq that said, heard the guards talking, Sax is dead, is that you? Not every murder that's committed is gonna be Tariq. Like, I understand, and I understand, I do not blame you in your lack of trust issues. Granted, she literally was almost murdered. Okay, the, the circle, while Tommy, while Tariq doesn't know, technically, and he had nothing to do with that, those were still Tariq's friends. I was doing this for for Tariq. But Lauren at this point is becoming very annoying. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan. So we're going to have to please get rid of this character. Because it just seems like it's just lingering. And I don't mean kill. Write her off the show or do something. Because it's just it's, it's slowly just getting there. It's becoming slightly annoying. And Effie also, I love Effie. I wish that Lauren had the stamina that Effie had. But granted, they're two different people from two different worlds, so that's not going to ever happen, I don't think. I hope, I hope the situation toughens her up so that whomever deals with her in the future, you know, are not annoyed by her and then try to kill her because she's just that annoying. But I, I, I do love Effie's stamina in this um, episode in terms of lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. You know, people are blocking her from making the phone call, from, you know, trying to get a lawyer with this case, and she's still staying, staying strong. You know, she's not turning coat, at least right now at this moment. It does not seem like it. We don't know. But she, again, she seems to be very loyal. I appreciate her. I wish she was appreciated more, but I understand why she's not appreciated. The whole situation with Kane made it seem like he was just using her I don't know what's going on. Remember they had that fight. I don't know, but I just, I really do like Effie and what's going on with this. So that, that's all of my rant aside from uh, the season is almost ending and um, 
Nor did Lars is still not taking an acting class, and I would like that to happen, please. Excellent, excellent takeaways. Um, I, I like what you said about, you know, um, about questioning Tommy's appearance and asking, you know, is it for marketing reasons to help promote force, you know, or is it a solid story? Because that, that's something I thought about too. Like, is this a marketing stunt, you know, to kind of boost up force because they know what happened in the first season, not everyone liked it, you know? Um, so I, I like that you said that. And um, yeah, go ahead. Because if you, then, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to just say really quickly, because if you really look at it, take away Tommy's appearance from the show completely, the show was fine, was fine. It was completely fine without him. And I'm not saying we don't need him. It's nice to have you. Well, why are you here? I mean, we we already did the crossover with Force when we saw Tasha and them in Force, I believe. Wasn't it not in Force? No, that that was. Uh, well, I'm not you, you mean book book two, season one? Sorry, in book two, season one, we already got Tommy. So that was really nice, but. Are you going to just keep making up? I don't. I don't understand why bring him back now. And if you're like, oh, tie in loose ends, man was so focused on his new goals, and y'all done cursed me out all throughout the season when I asked the question about is there any crossover? And I understand you wanted to keep your secret, and I'm all for keeping secrets, but you blessed me out to the point where I was like, well, I'm just stupid for asking <clears throat> because you were so gun ho and <clears throat> stating that you were focused on this show and stating that you're focused on this story. You don't need other characters. And I'm for you. Be your own person. Be your own show. But why are you back now? I'm happy to see you. Welcome. Have some cookies. Take your shoes off. Go take a nap if you need to. The game is on. I make snacks. But why are you here? What do you want from me? Or us in general? And uh, Rich was going to say something as well. Uh, well, I just was going to say, uh, I'm pretty sure we will get an answer to why he is back in the future. But I just want to say to the question that was asked, is this a marketing stunt by stars? 100% yes, it is. Because Joseph Sakura sent out a tweet the other day saying, season two force announcement coming within the next 10 days. If you know how to do math, uh, you know, this show comes out on Friday. Obviously, everyone's watching now. It's out now on Friday. So, yeah, that announcement is either going to happen sometime this weekend if it if it hasn't happened already. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I fully expect this to... Uh, I expect Force to kind of, you know, premiere right as Ghost goes off. Like, it's, it's probably going to be something like that. Um, if not, then maybe a week later, but I feel like it's going to be, you know, right after just the way this, this has been done, you know, this has been handled, but, um, but yeah, th those were great takeaways, Dana. I loved, uh, what you said there. We, we will talk more about it in a little bit. Cause I do have a, a discussion point about, you know, force and everything, but yeah, Richard, um, do hit us with your takeaways when you're ready. Okay, first and foremost, excellent takeaways by Dana and Gary, as always. Let me start by saying this was the best episode of Ghost 
this entire season. I don't know if I'm going to say it's the best of the entire show because I still like that heist episode they had last season. So, but this, without a doubt, was the best episode of this entire season for all the things that uh, you both said. Now, uh, I do have three takeaways I'm going to get into here. Uh, I'm going to start first with Sax, Jenny, and Blanca in this episode. Uh, so we do see that because I, I did see, you know, first and foremost, last week was, a, was, you know, episode eight was a great episode. I know a lot of people were speculating that Sax could still be alive. And I laughed when I saw those comments because clearly you saw this guy get shot in the chest. Now, he was twitching afterwards, but clearly this character was dead. But also that same week, the actor that plays him, Shane Johnson, was going around on different shows Yes, saying yes, the character is dead. So, I mean, all, you knew everything right there. But I, I like how, even though he died, he still lived on in terms of trying to ruin everyone's lives, mainly Tariq St. Patrick. So give him props for that. But, yeah, the episode started where Jenny and them, they did identify Sax's body. And then Jenny, of course, as Gary said, she had a bit of a breakdown. Obviously, we know that they were in a relationship together. Sax took it seriously. Jenny was playing a lot of these games. So, you know, and we, we already knew that it wasn't going to end well for those two. So it is what it is. But we did see that she, that Sachs did send Jenny a letter telling her to let things go. And obviously she's not going to because she had an opportunity to protect Sachs. You, we saw last week in, in episode eight, you know, when she had made the comment to him, well, I can't protect you anymore now because everything, you know, fell apart with the sugar when they tried to, to lock up Effie. So obviously she feels some guilt that he got killed and she's still going to want to go after Tariq and take down everybody involved. So we shall see what happens. But two very important things that we do get from this episode in regards to what's happening with these particular characters. Now, they do end up running into Davis later in this episode and they let him know that they saw the surveillance of him passing that note over to Diana. So I'm very curious to see what happens in the future with Davis. It feels like he still has a target on his back, but I want to see how they're going to utilize this particular thing to try to take him down. And then also, as uh, you both alluded to about the crash coin stuff and the fact that Lucas made that call, obviously we saw that Braden took out Lucas in this episode. And I was glad to see that Braden finally caught a body, but I will say this, uh, from a forensic standpoint, this Lucas stuff is just getting started. So I want to see where they go from here because I'm pretty sure they're going to investigate this. They're going to probably come to the conclusion that he was possibly pushed or he jumped, but it wouldn't make sense for him to jump, especially after he gave them information that's to say that he wanted uh, protection. So I look forward to seeing how they're going to handle that. But uh, yes, as far as what happened in that episode with these characters, I thought everything was was great. It moved everything forward in a way that I didn't expect. Uh, going to my second takeaway, we need to, we need to talk about the Tejada family. Now, I will say this. And I know that uh, Gary and Dana, you did not mention this. I just want to say this. I enjoyed seeing Kane whoop Tariq's ass in this episode. It's a very brief uh, fight, but they're showing you that Kane can hold his own against Tariq. And I know we saw in a previous episode Tariq beating up Braden. Well, now this lets you know, because they, because again, they didn't, they didn't give Tariq, he didn't even get a hit on, on Kane. So that lets you know, uh, yeah, I think Tariq has met his match. And I look forward to seeing these two characters 
when they have another confrontation because there definitely will be another confrontation in the future. I think we all know that's going to happen. So I look forward to seeing what happens when that goes down. But uh, we did see, again, Sachs sent a letter to Monet basically telling her that this entire time Tariq has been working with the feds. So after that, she now is very suspicious of Tariq. Of course, uh, she does get Diana to basically do some snooping. And Diana does the snooping and finds the file that was hidden, the Kevin Whitman file that had uh, Lorenzo's uh, prints on it. So I, I do like the fact that they finally get a chance to confront Monet in this episode. And basically, you know, it, it leaves you wondering what's going to happen next. But one thing I do want to say, and, and, and again, I think uh, that the three of us are on the same page. I'm very curious to see what all the uh, commenters think. But I was very, very underwhelmed with how they handled this Castillo's situation. Because again, it's like I had said on this show a couple of weeks ago, I would love to see the Castillos versus the Tejadas, right? Because this entire season, Gordo, obviously, he cares about Drew. That was his love interest. And then he gets taken out. But he always was fighting. He, was, he always was in a position where he's trying to basically do things to help out Drew. And we know that Gordo's brothers did not like Drew. There was some tension that we saw in the previous episodes between how they interacted with Drew. That's why, you know, from a writing standpoint, I would have wanted them to have a much better standoff. Now, obviously, there are more brothers than there are of the Tejadas because it's only Kane and Drew versus about, I think it was three or four brothers that uh, that they had. So I, I understand, that I guess they didn't want to take that route because then you're going to have to say, well, somebody might get hurt in, in this shootout. One of the Castillos might get hurt. But I still think uh, that was far too easy for them to take them out that way because it robbed us of the potential of the family trying to get some type of revenge. This entire season, it felt as though Evelyn was the catalyst to say they wanted some justice for what happened to Lorenzo. And you saw they took out Lorenzo, but I'm just thinking to myself, after you take out Lorenzo, it would have been great to see them try to avenge their brother, Gordo. And they didn't even get an attempt to do any of that. So I'm not really happy with that decision. I understand they want to make the Tejadas look as though they are superior in every way, shape, or form. That's why they did not have them falter against them. But uh, I would have went in a different direction to make it a little bit more exciting. But it is what it is. And then, of course, the whole thing about Evelyn confessing to Drew, that was very much a soap, a, a soap opera right there. Drama, so to speak. That's what that, because, that, I mean... And the dying breath, someone, that's the last thing that they're going to say. Oh, yes, your, your mother did this. She, 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 Monet is responsible for all this. I thought that was a little, you know, I'm like, uh, whatever. But hey, it is what it is. It's entertaining, right? So I'm not really criticizing because, again, I said this was the best episode of the season. I stand by that. That's just the only thing I didn't like because I wanted to see some type of showdown between these two families. But it's okay. We'll see what happens next. Uh, and finally, the final takeaway from this episode. All the stuff that happened with Tariq in this episode, you know, the fact that this entire time he he's he, you know, obviously he's dealing with the stuff with Braden, basically talking with Braden back and forth about they gotta do something to deal with Lucas. And of course, he does orchestrate this plan to try to buy himself time dealing with uh Noma, who was never on this show, by the way. So basically he tells Obi, hey, I know you need green cards. Uh, any way that I can help you, I'll help you. Obi tells me he needs the green card. So he's basically going to help out Obi to try to stall from telling Noma what's all happening with the business side. So we'll see what happens as far as that's concerned. But um, 
everything else that happened in the episode, as far as Lucas meeting his end, I thought that was excellent. I thought it was excellent that Braden finally caught a body because he needed to do that. And I, and like Dana mentioned, I want to see where the character goes from here. But again, we really have to emphasize the way they brought Two Bit back into this storyline and the way they brought it back in Tommy. That was masterfully done. Now, Two Bit has been gone. Like Gary said, this guy has been gone since season one. So I wasn't expecting him to show up at any point, anytime soon. But so I'm glad that they saw him. And again, that was a nice payoff for that whole thing about Tariq getting that car, which now he no longer has. So that's great. Let's see what happens. But Tommy, this is what I want to say about Tommy. This is a clear sign. I mean, they've already told us that Gary Lennon is taking over as the showrunner of the second season of Force. This to me is a clear sign to let people know Force is going to be different than what it was last season. Because with this guy coming in to take over, who actually has worked on the original power, this is why you saw glimpses of the original Tommy coming back into the fold. So it makes me very excited to see that. And, and obviously it's funny because as Gary mentioned, when he saw this screener, he was like, oh, well, uh, I wonder if, if I'm watching an old episode of Power. Well, when I saw this, you know, it, it's funny because normally when we watch this stuff, you know, we don't really talk about what happens. We said, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it after you see the episode. But Gary was like, hey, I just want you to watch the episode and enjoy the episode. He said that to me and Dana. So I didn't know what he meant. Then when I saw it, I said, oh, yeah, this is this is fantastic. So I think Courtney Kemp is a genius for bringing Tommy back into the fold. We already know that Tommy has a motive to want to take out Tasha because of what she did to Lakeisha in the original power. But again, it is definitely a change because if you saw four season one, you know that we covered four season one. The way that season ended, Tommy is supposed to be focused on Chicago and, and getting business in Chicago. So obviously something is going to happen next season that makes him want to revisit his past. Because the Tommy and that show was like, that New York stuff is over, man. I'm focused on Chicago. So they need to show us what happened to make him feel this way. And I look forward to seeing what, the, what they're going to show us. But overall, fantastic episode. And the last thing I will say is, as I said, we're not going to talk about spoilers for season, for, for, me, for, for uh, episode 10 on this episode. But I will tell you this. I said that episode nine was the best episode of the season. So that might give you a clue as to what I think about episode 10. But we're not going to talk about that until next week. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just, just leaving us in suspense, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, excellent takeaways as always. Um, yeah, great thoughts. Uh, and, and yeah, as you said, like, because we, we get these screeners early. And we we try not to watch too far ahead because we want our reactions on these podcasts to be genuine and stuff. Um, so we we try not to watch too far ahead. But I watched that episode nine, and and you know I I just couldn't help but I, I wanted Richard and Dana to see it, you know, cause, to talk about it because I needed to talk about it after I saw it. I was like, no, nah, I, I gotta get them to watch because this this was crazy, but. But yeah, um, great thoughts, great takeaways. Um, and I, I won't delay. We're going to get into uh, questions. But Dana, you, you had something to say real quick. I did have something to say, and then I quickly forgot it. So I'm very upset with myself. But it was really good. So just like, say, yeah, Dana, you did it. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's going to come back to you in a sec. So 
It's all good. Just let us know when you get it back. But okay, so let's keep the conversation going because we we all kind of you know talked about it. So let let's get right into it, right? Let's unpack this. So how do you think these events will fit into the force timeline? You know, how is this going to integrate with what happens in force, you know, season two, Um, you know, based on everything that we've seen just in episode nine, you know, just in this episode, but like, how do you think it all ties in? Because, you know, we're all kind of expecting now that force is, is going to, is going to be, you know, coming up very soon. And based on what happened in this episode, we kind of get the feeling that there's going to be several crossovers occurring, you know, that we might see some characters show up in force. So, you know, the question is, what, what's your vision of how this should go? How do you feel like this is going to play out with, you know, Tommy and force and Chicago you know, is he going to bring Tasha to Chicago? Is Tariq going to go to Chicago? Like, you know, there's so many possibilities. Um, but what do you think is, is going to be the rollout for this? So who who should I get to go first here? Let me see. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go to you, Dana, just because I'm wondering if this had something to do with what you was going to say. Is it completely unrelated? Probably unrelated. I don't know because here's the thing. I don't remember the again. No shade. I don't even remember the finale to four. Um, I know a girl died. Lydia, Liliana died. Claudia died. I know there's like some Irish people in there. It's like, oh, we're gonna get you, Tammy. Hey, tapping a rainbow. But like, um. In in terms of of who oh died, there was Dahlia in it. The drug, the oak, oak, oak. I just answered the question. Dahlia was a drug, right? Mm-hmm. That was like really powerful. So like fentanyl, but it don't kill you like it did everybody else, right? So think of like a a, a non-killing fentanyl that gets you really really high and maybe sustains you. I don't know. I'm just going by what I see off the news, but like. Good fentanyl. So wouldn't that be a perfect way to bring to New York? Now, so here's what I'm thinking. Either one of two things. Tommy done kidnapped Tasha. She murdered, she did, and then we're going to have a face-off. We know that Tommy can't die. We know that Tariq can't die. Something has to happen where there's some kind of, maybe there's an exchange, right? So we have that. That could happen. Or we can have another route where everyone has to work together. In order to expand the Dahlia business and the enterpriseness of it all, I'm gonna give you, Tariq, Dahlia, right? And so this way, I know we're talking about season two of Force, but really quickly, what if Dahlia is introduced into Ghost season three? And in that way, it helps us speed up what we owe Noma. Okay, because we still owe Noma at the end of the day. She may not ever be there. Obi's sitting around begging for green cards, but I don't think Obi can cancel our debts. We need Dahlia because whatever that Coke or whatever it is that they're moving is not moving quick enough. And like, to be fair, the market is so oversaturated with Coke 
like, does that really do anything for people anymore? Won't you need something new? So to stimulate both the streets of New York and Chicago, let's do Dahlia. That way, a lot of bones go, a lot of birds and stones are, are beaten in the head. We don't have to worry about Noma anymore and the money. We can slowly get our, our freedom and our life back. So in order for Tariq to understand Dahlia, he has to work with Tommy in order to break it down and to understand it, right? And to, to see the markets. So that could be one avenue that we go through with force. Another thing is, I don't know what Tasha and her mind point, mindset has been this whole time. If she's alive, if she wants to even go back into the drug business thing, um, if Liliana has died, does Tasha become a, a replacement? So I don't know. That could be one way to incorporate everything. We need a replacement. Tasha's not stupid. She's stupid in other ways, but not in the drug way. So she would be able to fill in those shoes. She would be able to help with the mixing and the processing and the selling of it. And it gives her something to do. Because I don't know. I don't live in the woods in, um, under witness protection. But it seems a little boring. So it is what it is. You got that going back. And, and she's replacing what what um, uh, space didn't die. Liliana didn't die for. So that is one thing. Um, I don't know how we incorporate Tubit. I think Tubit is just off living his life with the new car that he stole, which I think is hilarious and was just a bad omen for Tariq to get the car. Because I'm like, why would you get a car? It's New York City. It's more stress and strain. You cannot find parking here in New York. Parking is expensive. You put it in a garage. It's way too expensive. It serves no purpose. Traffic is not cute. You know, so just take the train. You'll be fine. And the car really should have been stolen. So yay with that. But I don't think we will see Tubit. Again, I think he's off living his life and just being happy until somebody writes him another letter. Um, but that's the only thing that I can think of in terms of how do we incorporate ghosts and and, and what is it? What is this called? Power. Yeah, power. No, force. Ghosts and force. I can't even remember the name, honey. Do give me something with season two. So, yeah, that, that would be one thing with there. And then also, you know, um, I wonder how the, the Diamond, I know Diamond and Tommy are just in it for whatever that happened that went down in that. But I was wondering if, you know, he may need, he may need more gangs and more people and more alliances. And so Tariq could join that alliance a little bit. For a little while. I don't want you living in, in Chicago because again, I prefer my shows to breathe on their own without you constantly being there. So if we have to have those crossovers, he could help out a little bit in terms of the guns. Remember he owes Noma, they're also selling guns. So boom, that takes care of that. I'm really like drowning here, so I'm gonna just stop talking. No, yeah, great, great points. Um, and yeah, I, I do think it would be very interesting if we have, you know, characters from 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 a ghost interacting with characters from Force, like because they they could have like a, a um an interesting kind of like let's say they piece it all up, right? Let's let's 
let's say that somehow Tommy and Tariq are able to get on common ground and, um, you know, try to help each other and, and be cool again, you know, with Tasha and everything, they could have some pretty cool interactions. Um, you know, like Tommy, for example, could introduce both of his nephews because, you know, Tariq is like a nephew and, you know, D-Mac, you got D-Mac, who is his road nephew now, like, you know, they could have some, they, they could do some pretty interesting things if they kind of mix up the cast a little bit and, you know, introduce characters. And then Diamond also, like, Diamond was, he, he was a bit of a passive character in the first season, so I feel like, I feel like he could learn a lot from people like Tariq and Tasha and, you know, stuff, so. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot they could do with it, but Rich, how about you? What do you think about, you know, how this is going to fit into the Force timeline? And, you know, is there any, do you have any particular vision of how this could go with this whole crossover situation that seems to be happening? Well, uh, I think Dana made a very good point when she mentioned Dahlia. I, I kind of feel like that is, because we, we we spoke about when, 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 when uh, Force ended for season one, we was trying to think about how they were going to connect the two because you recall at the very end that was when you saw Blanca and her boss is telling her, "Yeah, we got this thing happening in Chicago," but and then they said, "Oh, well, we're not going to worry about that. Let's focus on what's happening in, in New York with this Tariq St. Patrick kid, whatever." So I kind of feel like um, that Dahlia drug is a very big part of that. So I'm very curious to see what they do with that in season two. We do know that Claudia and Gennard are now working together. And they're selling Dahlia as well, whereas Tommy and Diamond, they have another version that they know how to make another version of Dahlia. So I would be very curious to see. And I do like the idea of D-Mac interacting with Tariq at some point because it feels like that 100% is going to happen. Uh, Tariq maybe meeting uh, Tommy's brother. You know, I mean, a lot of that stuff I feel is going to definitely happen, I think, if this is the path they decide to go down. Um but I do, I do think it does center around Dahlia because that is a that uh, that that they made it the way that Force uh, put the spotlight on that drug, they made that feel as though this is the new must-have drug. So basically, it is a lot more in demand than any other drug that's in the market, and that's why I say that'll be very interesting. Obviously, Tommy can use some assistance if Tariq was to show up in Chicago. You know, I mean, we have to wait and see what happens. But the other thing I do want to mention, though, is, and again, uh, one thing we criticized about Force last season, how they introduced the reporter storyline, and they didn't really do nothing with that storyline. So I kind of feel like that is also going to be a bit of an issue because, like I had mentioned when we did that recap some time ago, I said, you know, that reporter knows about Diamond, but she doesn't know who's who Diamond has been dealing with. And obviously... Tommy is, is somebody that they're looking for in Chicago, clearly. He's he's still somebody that they're looking for, even though they, they say he's dead in New York, so to speak. That's what they told us already in power. He's dead in New York, right? But in Chicago, it's a different story. So I, that's why I said if she gets too close to Diamond and finds out about this Tommy guy and, you know, says something about this, this individual, that might be a bit of a problem. So I want to see how they handle that situation. But again, if you throw Tariq into the mix, Everyone knows who James St. Patrick was, right? So it, it makes it a very complex situation. But uh, let's see what happens. But I, I do, I very much like the prospects of if Tariq or Tasha show up in Force Season 2. We obviously have to wait for an announcement. 
But I will say, the last point I will say is, like I mentioned earlier, they need to explain why Tommy had to go back to New York. And I do think we are going to see 2-Bit because 2-Bit obviously is the individual that gave Tommy that information to tell him, oh yeah, she's possibly, she's possibly, you know, this is where Tasha's probably at. They, I, 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 I kind of feel like they, they, they are working together, even though they have not shown too much about that. But uh, we have to wait and see if that's what the goal is here. We do know that Tommy said that uh, he got that information from somewhere else, but uh, we'll have to wait and see where they're going with that. But yeah, I look forward to seeing Force Season 2. Hopefully when they release a trailer, then we can get a better idea of what to expect from the season. Yeah, go ahead, Dana. Here's a reason as to why I'm slightly gun ho about Dahlia being the big thing that will cross over both of the shows. Because again, when I talked about the cocaine and everything, boring, boo, basic. Michael Ealy. Michael yes. Ealy is coming in season four. He is Detective Don Carter. He's not La Blanca in them. He is Detective. He's a rising NYPD officer who's on track to becoming a police commissioner. Okay, until his wife is killed in a crossfire between rival drug gangs. Remember, we thought that they were going to be in like this season and like, oh my God, my wife is dead. And like, I vow to kill you and go after you. No, I think that was already the past. The wife has already done, been dead. And because of that, it inspires him to um, now become the member, the, the police commissioner. Because he says, vowing to make the streets safer. Carter traded in his tie for Kevlar vest and now leads an elite. NYPD drug task force that elicits concrete results against drug-related violence. I think that this Dahlia is going to come here again. Yay, Coke. We didn't touch fentanyl. They could have said fentanyl, but we got Dahlia. I feel that this drug... Well, you baby, you could substitute it as fentanyl. Sorry. Space, space Dana. Okay. My thing is, you have to have a drug that's much stronger. And so, here's how Michael Ely comes in well, what is this new Dahlia, right? It's violence on the streets. It's getting crazy. It turns into Gotham City, and we have no Batman, right? So I feel that we need to introduce something that's stronger. And that's why Dahlia fits perfectly with this narrative. And then also on top of that, remember we had a lot of gun-related drug violence throughout this, this season, right? Remember there was the whole shootout that happened? Um, with the Russians and everything else, but it's been contained. If you really look at it so far, all of the violence and the deaths have been contained. I need something that's gonna cause innocent victims for you to start bringing in um, elite task force. Elite task force is not because, you know, well, Pookie and them, they were fighting again, and now it's just their little case. We need something that is gonna be much stronger we need blood on the streets. We need chaos. And I feel that this could be the perfect way to do both. So if you have sheer violence in force with this Dahlia drug, because remember, it gets you the highest of high, and you're craving that, and you want that. You're going to be fighting and killing people in the streets for it. Look at San Francisco. So, what do you city? Point is. I'm saying you need something that's going to be a reason as to why you have elite task force. And this could be a great crossover. So I think, and it benefits many of the characters so far. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Michael Ely. And here's the thing: he's not like guest starring Michael Ely. He's a series regular. So he is going to have, and they go ahead and gave him a backstory. He's going to be a character of importance. So I don't think you bring in, and plus he's Michael Ely. Come on now, we know what Michael Ely brand. He's gonna probably be a little dirty too. So Michael <laughs> Ely in this, he always plays like, you know, he's a light-skinned guy. He's also a little bad guy. But the point is, that's what I think that this character is going to do and why it means so much. And we, as you guys said before, we already had Blanca looking into what was going on in force. And so we can have like him and Blanca, I can't like Blanca, but still we can have him and Blanca kind of team up. What's going on over here? What's going on over there? And that's just how I feel. So uh, I'm done. Uh, I, I just want to say that is a outstanding prediction. I, we need to see that happen. Now you said that I definitely want to see that happen. And I want to get the version of Michael Elay that we saw in The Perfect Guy because that guy was very crazy. So uh, hopefully we get some of that. <laughs> Wait, this is also why you got to watch that, uh, that Hulu show, which name I can't remember that Michael Ely was in. And then I don't want to tell you everything because it was a plot twist, but it was very hey. Michael Ely. So, okay. so you have to watch. You got to watch. It's on Hulu. Um, reasonable doubt. You gotta watch Reasonable oh, Doubt because yeah. okay. he's like, mm. I'll check that out. So you, oh, you, that, you, that's you can a legal play. show, right? That's a legal show. He played like you know the bad guy who's wrongfully convicted of a crime. You know he's real pretty, and he and you know things were happening that I can't say because for those who didn't see it, you gotta watch Michael Ely's performance. You know what you're getting because it's Michael Ely. Sometimes a little stereotypical, but he's really good with them stereotypical roles. But Point is, Michael Ely. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I definitely expect him to play a character with, with layers. So, like, he might be on the good side, but I do think he's going to have a bad side too. Like, because he's, he's that type of actor where he has that kind of duality. Like, he has a lot of layers. So, um, I hope they use also- him wisely. It no, also says nothing can, but nothing can bring back the love of his wife. Remember, the wife is dead. Nothing can bring that back. So you know he's gonna be like evil, and maybe beating up people in the process. He's not gonna be a good cop. He's gonna be shady, and the show thrives on shady cops. This is why Sachs lives so long. Rest in peace, Sachs. This is why Sachs lives so great and so long. He was able to cross both of those sides. And he was just also greedy. So I think that's how more sustainable you are. You got to cross both sides. You cannot be an innocent. You got to be a little reckless. So I'm looking forward to that. And plus, maybe he is the new sax in this case. I mean, they killed off him and then they brought this guy in. It could be getting too overcrowded. And sax has been here for 5,000, 2,500, 600 minutes. So he had to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and just to expand on that as well, um, because we've seen so many investigation teams in power already, and they've always failed. So they, they need someone who is going to do the things that the others can't do. Like, you know, and, and Michael Ely's character is probably going to be that guy that can cross the lines and, you know, he, he can, um, he could, 
he could use that gray area and go beyond the limits of what we've seen the investigation team do previously. So I feel like that's what his character will be there to do, to kind of challenge uh, Tariq and the characters in a new way that we haven't seen. So, and and I do agree that mixing the, the bringing the Dahlia drug to um, New York is a great idea. Um, you know, I remember we were, we were saying that at the end of Force, um, that they should do that. And I do think that is probably the direction we're going. Um, I have a theory about how that connects to Noma, but I actually can't say that till, till the next episode. So, so um, I'll save that for, for the next episode. But, but yeah, um, great theories overall on, on that, how, you know, the Force timeline and everything. Um, so let's see here. What should I, what should I ask next? Um, so, okay. So one thing, right now, remember, we're just talking about episode nine now, but <laughs> when you first saw Tariq get knocked out, who, who did you think it was? Like, what was your, what was your theory on who knocked him out? Cause you know, I'm sure before before people watched the next episode, everybody had a different theory. I'm I'm pretty sure. So who did you initially think knocked out Tariq? So I'm gonna go to you first, Richard. What what was your thoughts? Well, that's a great question, Gary, because I saw some theories, some wild theories out there. Um, I mean, to be honest. I have a thought of who I thought it was, and then I have a, a out there thought of who, of who I thought it was. Now, I, I, I did think maybe it could have been two bit because I'm pretty sure that he and Tommy they somehow connected and had the information on where Tasha was at. So maybe he could have been the one to help. Um, that's who I thought it was. Now, if I wanted to have a way out there theory about who it was, that possibly changed over the course of the last couple of days, because then I found out some information that I did not know where we had uh, our very good friend, Omari Hardwick doing an interview on the Rich Eisen show in which he revealed that stars actually reached out to him to come back as ghost. And this happened at the exact same time that they were filming this season, because people need to know this season of power was filmed over a, over over a year and some change ago. This is clearly, this show has been off. It's been done for quite a while. They're filming season four right now. Okay, so, but he did say in that interview that he wanted, he had certain things he wanted to do creatively as well. He didn't outright say this was about money, but he said that he wanted to come back if it made sense. But obviously the character is dead. He did, he does, he did feel as though the fans did not get a proper ending for the character. And that is something that he wanted to come back and fix. But obviously, him and Stars did not come to an agreement. He told Stars what he wanted. Stars did not respond back. So uh, I'll be very curious to see if we'll see him in the future, because I think never say never, right? If the fact that they reached out to him, though, and asked him to come back, that's that's very interesting information. But obviously, it's not Ghost. We already know as Power fans, Ghost is dead. You saw him get shot. That's it. So that limits who it could have been. So again, I do think 2-Bit, 
because he was in this episode, it could have been anybody that was in uh, Force because obviously Tommy does have a brother. He does have his friend Diamond as well. Again, I don't know though because of how they did it. But I look forward to seeing what happens next week. We can talk about this further. But uh, yeah, it's very. It, that's why I say, Gary, what you said. If they ended the season or with this episode, that's it. You don't need to. Uh, obviously, people would be angry because they'll be like, "Oh, well, there's so many loose ends. I want them to tie up, and I have to wait until the show returns." But clearly, this was the way to end it because there would have been a lot of theories about who was involved in knocking him out and what was going to happen next. But again, they didn't take that route. So let's see what happens from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and you, you said something interesting just now. You said, uh, you said the, the ghost character is dead. Um, well, I have two words for you. Lauren Baldwin. Oh, yeah. Lauren Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 well you, you're right. But the only thing is that Lauren, we, we saw what happened to Lauren. We clearly saw that she, she survived. So she's all right. But, uh, hey, listen. That does not mean that if Ghost was to return, he can return as somebody talking to Tariq. I mean, he can return as somebody talking to Tommy. What I also find interesting is that there was another thing that was 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 mentioned, and maybe you could say this is Joseph Sakura teasing the fans because he had a post last year when they were filming Force because Force is also completed, and he had wrote a post saying, "I wonder." if Ghost is alive or dead. Force season two, episode five. Okay, so clearly that was something put out there as, I guess, a tease. And I'm going to tell you right now what I think that is. I think that is going to be when you're going to see this crossover of what happened with the storyline with, uh, you know, what we saw in this episode with Tariq. Because clearly when Force season two starts, I don't think it's going to immediately touch upon what happened in this episode. I think that happens later on because, again, they have to explain why all of a sudden Tommy said, I have to go back to New York. I don't think that happens right at the beginning of the season. That probably happens a couple episodes into the season. But that's just my guess. But clearly, again, um, we'll have to see what happens. But I just found it interesting how stars did reach out and express interest in bringing him back so that is interesting and if he's telling you this i'm pretty sure i, I will believe what he's saying even but he are but he also said he's dead he's not coming back but it's interesting that they still reached out so we'll see what happens yeah i i understand you know everyone thinks he's dead we saw him get shot but my my stance is still that he is not dead, and if they want to bring him back, they can, because we never saw a body. Like, in this episode, we saw Sax in the morgue. You know, yeah. we saw his dead body. We never saw <laughs> that saw, with Ghost. So. And you saw you saw Kanan dead. You saw Kanan, his dead body. Yeah. But then you also saw Kanan show up to talk to Tariq as a ghost. So that's why I say, even if the character is dead, that doesn't mean the character can't come back as a ghost. The same thing oh, yeah. with Reyna. Yeah. Reyna also came back as a ghost as well. So I'm just saying, it's not impossible, but it has to make sense. And I agree with, with Amari Hardwick. For him to come back, it has to make sense story-wise. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to come back. So let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. But um, So Dana, the, the question was, who who did you, when you first watched it, who did you think 
knocked out Tariq. And you can also chime in on what we were talking about. Can y'all please just leave Ghost alone and let him go to the afterlife and live his best life with Angela? Because I can't. I can't. He's dead. Let him stay dead. And I don't even know in what capacity was you going to bring him back in, like as a real ghost? Ooh, I'm coming to haunt you. He did that already, kind of, almost. When they did those weird little flashbacks, and, and, and I just don't like that. Um, he serves no purpose, sorry, in this whole iteration, because this goes back to my previous statement. Tariq is so far removed right now from what he was with his father that I feel that it's more successful if he if Ghost does not come back. Let this boy go on his journey by himself without tying up the past. You see how strong up he is about his mama and his grandma and his sister. And now look, he got dashed in the head over it. So like, I just honestly, I genuinely wish that they would just let go of this storyline and just focus on, on Tariq. But no, we have Tommy coming back, which again, in the words of Jocelyn Hernandez, why is you here? I don't know. But going with the question of who I thought it was that got him knocked out, um, once I saw Tommy, I thought it was Black Tommy. Because they travel together. They're thick as thieves. They're all like, you know, we're family. And so I thought it was Black Tommy. Like originally, like the only one that would kind of almost a little bit make sense would be Tubit. But again, Tubit to me just drove off and he's happy. So I just thought for that moment, maybe it's Black Tommy. And then I thought, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. What if it's just Davis? You know, he was going to go follow Tariq. Because he know that, you know, Tariq is in some mess and everybody's in some mess. And then I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. What if it's Monet? Because remember, when Saks wrote the letter, um, you know, uh, basically saying how that, how Tariq was the one who is, is, is a mole and is plotting against the family. And Diana was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And then she was like, that's why he wanted me to go on the roof. I thought it was Monet, who just so happened to be following Tariq and therefore followed him into the house and then knocked him upside his head. And we already technically had that showdown between Tommy, Monet, and Tariq. So I thought it was like a perfect little bookend of how they did it. So if I could put like that's the final answer that would be my final answer it can't be grandma because grandma don't make any sense it was like it was tasha and grandma in the house for grandma to bop him upside the head that doesn't make any sense unless grandma went bopped him in the head grabbed the gun and shot tommy but then what did she do she just up and kidnapped tasha and they ran away together i don't know so the one that would make the most sense to me would probably be Monet. I don't know at this point. Um, and we all know that Kane, Kane also wanted to say Kane tried to kill Brayden, ran him over with the car, hurt the boy's little ribs, which was hilarious. So, what's to say Kane was not in the car? It could have been Kane. You know, right now everybody doesn't know what's going on with anyone, everyone's looking at Tariq's side eyed. So it could have been any of the Sahara family members. 
uh, I just want to make a quick comment because you brought up Davis, and that reminded me that uh, when Tariq, he told Davis that he didn't find any information about where his mom was hiding at. So Davis definitely doesn't know what's been happening with this situation, at least from what we've seen so far. So let's see if that changes moving forward. But but you also know who also would want revenge on him as well? Tate. Because Tate was like, yeah, Western Holdings is amazing. Please put every single penny that you owe into Western Holdings. And then remember he made that call well, because like, I don't trust that guy. Well, Tate got his revenge. He, he is he the reason why He's the reason why I was called in to assist in getting Weston Holdings <laughs> shut down. So thank you very much, Tate. And you got my vote for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but see, and then I'm like, it can't be Tate because of one of two things. Tate doesn't like to get dirty. He doesn't like to, like, to physically have to do things. Yeah. In terms of like popping somebody. He, like, he'll shake your hand. He'll blackmail you. But like to actually physically bop someone in the head, he, he just does not do that. Yeah. He's, he's not he's not a hands-on person. You'll get him for like a white collar crime, but nothing like, oh, he went and committed murder. <laughs> so it, it couldn't be the same either. So it to me it was, you know, Davis. But then you said no Davis. And then I'm like, well, black Tommy, because white Tommy there, where's black Tommy? And for those who don't know who, who Black Tommy is, I'm referring to the guy who plays the brother. Yeah, Whose well, name? Who's the North Arthur, can I remember? I don't remember the name. Richard knows. Could have been. Richard knows everything. It could have been like Jesse, and I wouldn't know, and I didn't even remember. See, he's Googling. We have to all We're Googling. I mean, to, to be fair, it, this was forced, so no one remembers. But, um, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's uh, comments do not represent the coalition. <laughs> we love force over here. Please let us do your junket. We have no idea what you're talking about. No, we, we're we're about to love the next force. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His name is oh. JP. JP. Yeah, okay, that's like yeah. such a forgettable name. Even this forgettable. Yeah, I'm gonna continue yeah. to call him Black Tommy. Yeah, I mean, listen, the force season one was not a that was not good i know there are a lot of people that i know in my circle that saw the show they all were a little bit disappointed so um but to get they still want the show to come back so hopefully yeah season two is significantly we better. want it to succeed because it's tommy yeah. and tommy deserves all of the, the success and happiness in the world yeah so we want the show to succeed so i think us complaining will help the show succeed mm-hmm so we love the actors. We love what they can bring onto the screen. Just let them bring their talents onto the screen by giving words that match their talents. And storylines and plots. And Joe just be like, he is my son, me old drug addict. And then like, you know, that's just it. And we drop that storyline. Give us something good and meaty. See, I'm starting to remember the show now. Yeah, there was like a daughter in there. And then like the dumb son. See, I'm remembering. Oh, I wonder how that would, how that family would mesh with if um, um, Tariq was to go there. How that would mesh together. I wonder. 
like, well, like the dad start having commit fits because he's seeing all these black people on his property. I wonder. Yeah, he, he, he'll have a fit. He'll have a, a racist fit for sure. I yeah, see more black people. They're everywhere. Bring back Trump. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's hilarious. But um, okay, so another question. So Dana kind of already answered this earlier when she spoke about this character. But you know, let we we can um we can uh you know have a, a, a another discussion about it, right? So two bit um. So I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see him again, and if we do, when we'll see him again. Now the thing is, in this episode, when you know he was kind of um, you know asking Tariq for his money and stuff, Tariq offered him drugs and and guns, and then you know that's when he said, "And your car too," you know, and Tariq gave him the keys and everything. But he didn't actually get the the drugs and the guns yet, right? So. That does that mean he's going to come back to collect, you know? To, and is this going to be a constant cycle of Tariq owing him things? Because maybe, maybe he comes back to get his drugs and guns, and then there's some kind of shootout, and he has to help Tariq, and then he never gets his drugs and guns. Like maybe he helps him in the shootout, and then he comes back to Tariq again, like a month later, like oh, I helped you, so you owe me again. You owe me double what you owed me before. You know, like, this could be a continuous cycle of Tariq owing two bit and him, him always showing up, you know? So I feel like we're going to see him again. Um, and I would love for him to be one of the characters that kind of floats between the shows, like, between Force and uh, Ghost, because he does have that connection to Tommy, Um you know, since the first show and and Tariq owes him. So I feel like he's one of those fluid characters that could kind of, you know, go he could go between both shows. Um maybe if if the Dahlia thing actually happens, he could be the go between. He could be the runner who kind of transports, you know, the, the Dahlia from Chicago to, to New York or something like that. So I feel like there's many ways they can use this character. Um, so I would love to see him again, but I wanted to see what, what you guys thought of that. Um, I know Dana kind of spoke on it earlier, but you know, uh, Richard, well, what's your thoughts on that? I think I think that's excellent if you have him as the the person that floats between both shows. I mean, I think we know for sure he is going to be in season two of Force. I, I believe they they have to have him in there in some capacity to set up this whole thing that happened in this episode. So yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. And, and yes, having him as the runner for Dahlia, that'd be fantastic because he is familiar with New York, probably doesn't know too much about Chicago, but he is very loyal to Tommy. So Tommy's going to need people who are loyal to him moving forward as he tries to rebuild his empire in Chicago. So it makes sense to me. But yeah, I think that's that's a very good prediction, I would say. We have to see. But yeah, we definitely need to see more of the character because he has not been around clearly. So uh, I look forward to seeing whatever their plans are for him next. Yeah, exactly. And um, what would you think, Dana? Has your stance kind of changed on that? Do you think we might see him more? I don't want him. Um, 
but in terms of whether or not there's a need, it could be fun having him around. Um, remember Liliana was from like season one, maybe? He had the pink sneakers and that was like season one, maybe season two early. So they're not, you know, someone that shies away from bringing back the past past and Tubit does have that past. Um, I think it would be nice to see him just pop around every once in a while. Kind of like, you know, like you're, you're the guy that you always see on the street that may be a crackhead, but he doesn't mean any harm. But he just pops up every once in a while. You say hi to him, go about your business. So he would be a nice familiar face, but I'm just, in, in terms of storyline, I wonder what does he bring? I think, you know, the, the guns, you know, that's something that Noma has. And we can easily remedy that situation by just giving them like, you know, a small, I don't know, maybe like three guns from what Noma has over there. But um, in terms of the larger scale picture, I just don't know how he would fit in. It. So I'm okay with him not really showing up that much. Like, I think it would be surprised that we even got him here. But just overall, I don't know how he would he would really survive. Like, what is the point? Unless, again, as you guys stated before, he's going to be part of Tommy's team because Tommy, from my understanding, is his team is kind of short. Yeah, you know what I would like to see? Um, I would like to see a rivalry between the two-bit character and Kane. Cause like sometimes, sometimes it feels like Kane's just beating up on little kids a little bit, like <laughs> with Tariq and Brayden. So like, I want to see him challenged by someone, you know, a little kind of his kind of age range or whatever, I guess, or his status in the streets, I guess. Like, so if they could set up some kind of, you know, rivalry between Tubit and the Tahadas or Kane or something, I feel like that would be pretty interesting to see. Because uh, we haven't really seen him interact with those characters too much. So that would be cool. But, um, but yeah, who knows? I guess we got to wait and see how they use him. I, I do agree with Rich that they probably need to use him in force to set up what happened in this episode. Um, but I don't know if they have any more future plans for him beyond that. Um, but I would hope so. Uh, but yeah. Um, so moving on, um, one thing we do kind of have to, um, process a little bit is Brayden and, you know, because he did finally catch a body, you know, the streets needed a body, the streets got a body, like very literally, they very literally got a body because his, his Lucas was all over the street, you know, so, um, his moment finally came, you know, Kane, Kane um, has kind of been bullying him all season, you know, to, well, since the last season, actually, because he wanted him to, to kill Lauren too. But yeah, uh, Kane has been bullying him to catch a body. And there's kind of been this whole buildup of, you know, he, he has to catch a body to kind of solidify himself, I guess to become more like, you know, Tariq and Kane and, and stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it finally happened. And, you know, you you could argue that this was his body to catch because it involved his family, you know, uh, with the whole Western 
Western Holdings. You know, a lot of people lost their money. Tariq lost his money. Um, RSJ lost money, um, you know, and um, Tardas. So, you know, Braden was pretty much on the hook for that. And and then, you know, Lucas was about to kind of snitch on everyone. So he had to go. And this was Braden's, uh, you know, this was Braden's task. So I want to ask you guys, do you think that this will change the character in any way now that he's finally, you know, had to, to take someone out? And, you know, keep in mind also that Lucas is, is family to him. So it's someone very close to him, someone he has ties to and a connection to. So um, how do you think this is going to change the character? So I'll go to you first, Dana. Okay, so yes, because this is so personal. And like I said, this is much better than killing some random Russian on the streets of the Knesset. Um, this is, I don't, I don't think that it's going to harden, like oh, all of a sudden he's gonna turn into Jukebox's character. I think more that this is going to make him understand the weight of the consequences of being in the lifestyle that he chose because initially he just seemed to be really bored and good at it. Um, and it's going to further put that reflection on him. Remember when he was in the hospital and Tariq was like, well, you got to talk to Obi. And the dude was like literally half dying. And was like, oh, can I just get one day off, play, you know, an Xbox, you know, you know be on Twitch or something. And he's realizing that this is a nonstop job. And it doesn't care if you're injured or what. And I wonder just overall in terms of looking at Tariq and the relationship. Remember, he, he's kind of been the lackey, even though he is, you could argue, the smarts behind this whole operation. He created Crash Coin. And this, you know, now the fact that he did something that actually impacted not just him, but his entire family going forward. I think that this is definitely going to change him. I think he he's going to be more aware of what this lifestyle really is and what it means. And I wonder again, is this going to be more of a, I 100% continue to choose this life? Because that was like the biggest thing for me was, was wondering, you know, if this looks cute and glamorous when you're, you know, we are on the sidelines and, when you're making plans and you're doing little heist things, that seems really fun. But there are real life consequences to this. And I think that it hasn't happened with, with the death of, of Uncle Lucas, but once it starts happening with a death of an innocent that involves him, I wonder what he, how he's going to react. Because remember, it seems to me that every season we need an innocent to die. And for Braden's story, for him to wanting to be in this game, I think everyone has had someone who died that was close to them. You know, you look at Tommy's whole history of, of those who died. Even look at what Lakeisha did and how that affected Tasha and Tommy at the same time. Then you look at what Serena's death, how that affected Ghost, right? And then you look at everyone has had like this cross to bear. And even if you was to look at, um, I believe it was, Effie, who told him about, you know, the, the family and being touched. That was, that was a consequence that made her turn a certain way. Brayden overall has not been affected by that, whether it's because of his privilege or just because of the dynamics of his family has not been, you know, had that kind of hardship, that personal loss. 
And I think that this is what makes the character. It either makes him or breaks him. And that is also, again, why I loved the fact that he was the one who pushed his, his uncle angrily over the, the beam and, and he fell to his death. So I look forward to what happens. I don't know what's going to happen with that character. I don't think he's going to leave, you know, Tariq completely stranded. I think that they're going to be the Tommy and ghost of it all. But you know, again, he needs, he needs something to impact him. You look at ghost, ghost is impacted by Angela. So I just need something for, for him to really, for it to really sink in that this is serious and that this is real. And I look forward to how that impacts him. I just don't know how it's going to impact him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because, like, there's this kind of, uh, what would you call it? Like, there's, there's, like, this whole conspiracy theory about, you know, Illuminati-type stuff. And, like, it, it's like when you actually kill someone, you you kind of change. Like, you, there's, like, a new kind of level of consciousness, like, after you kill someone. Um, that is just a weird myth conspiracy theory but i feel like it's relevant to brayden in the sense that um now that he has done that i feel like it it is gonna turn on some kind of internal switch in him and make him possibly a more colder character maybe not right away but if you look at Tariq, uh because of everything that he's been through it kind of explains how he is able to operate how he does um, you know, where he has these, he has this connection to, you know, the underworld and the streets while also trying to kind of develop a, a normal life as well. But I, I, I do feel like the, 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 the story kind of tries to show that, you know, the, it's the people who, who have actually achieved that, you know, level of being able to kill someone that kind of are able to, uh, you know, uh, I guess be a leader or show leadership qualities and, you know, excel in the streets and stuff. So, you know, once you cross that, that, that threshold of being able to kill someone, it's like, you know, you're, you're a whole new, you kind of level up in the streets, I guess. So I feel like we're going to see Brayden kind of go through that transition, maybe in the next season or so. Um, and become more of a colder, darker kind of character. And I do think, like you said, Dana, they're kind of setting up another sort of, you know, Tommy and, and Ghost kind of uh, dynamic here with these characters. So it's going to be interesting to see. But Rich, what do you think about Brayden? Do you, like, how is this, you know, murder going to change him? Like, you know, the death of Lucas, like, how is it going to affect his character moving forward? Well, I would say I'm very interested to see which direction that they take the character in now, because, uh, yes, he did kill Lucas, but he did this out of out of the anger. He wanted to push him off that building, um, and it was more so a reaction. Now, I don't know if it was intentional in the sense of him meticulously thinking through how to kill somebody that is a point that he can get to but he also did this out of protection for kiki right because she was also very concerned about what would happen and you saw in this episode 
when he when he told his dad what happened, he made it clear that she was not involved, even though we know that she's been involved with Lucas this entire time working behind the scenes on this stuff. So obviously, you know, I kind of feel like as we're looking at this as viewers, as like he did this as a way to protect himself, but also to protect her, make sure that Tariq is good. But again, there are going to be consequences from this because of the information that Lucas told them before he died. So I want to see how that is all handled moving forward. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Also, one thing he told us about Braden this season is that he does have an independent streak. And he is also smarter than people think. And I think that that is also very interesting because that shows you that if this were to become sort of like a Tommy ghost dynamic down the road, he's also going to have the mindset, well, well, what if I want to do my own thing and I don't want to be working with you the entire time? I can do that. So that's why I want to see where they're going with this because they, they introduce all these different theories as to you see him, what the character is going through. So we have to stay tuned to see what happens next. But yeah, I'm very curious to see where things go because as you both alluded to, this is a character this entire season. He's been in this situation where you're working at Western Holdings, you're doing the drug stuff, but you're only really one foot in, one foot out. You're not fully in it to the point of actually doing the dirtier things to make you do the certain things. And they did show you that he has a bit of a conscience when he was so appalled by the Ponzi scheme stuff, but yet he is still a drug dealer. So um, that's why I said, I wanna see where they're going with this, but I think it's gonna get to a point of acceptance and, and being comfortable in that. Cause you already told us that he likes doing stuff like this. So uh, he needs to fully come into that and be willing to do all the, the bad things associated with this type of life. So go ahead, Dana. It's also really interesting because he, you know, him being so appalled by the Ponzi scheme, yet he is a drug dealer that <laughs> inflicts the same amount of pain as say someone who lost all of their money. Um, mm -hmm. It still hurts families. It's it, and the fact that him being a drug dealer, you know, is, is a bit more dangerous in terms of it, 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 it destroys lives way more than say a Ponzi scheme. So. That to me was very interesting and still shows that privilege that I think um, he has by being completely just ignorant and able to do whatever that he wants to do because it makes him feel good inside and has the audacity to judge other people by not realizing that what he does inflicts even more pain upon families and, you know, a network of people and countries and states. I mean, if he was to look at the drug crisis of what we're going through right now, if he was to look at the streets of New York City and you've seen the reports of San Francisco, that you cannot just deny that the homelessness and how it's interconnected with drug use. And there's a beautiful story in the New York Times about that, that everyone should read. But to just be like, well, well you're the bad guy because you stole everyone's money. It's just completely laughable. And to also, it's, again, it just shows that kind of white privilege that he has. Um, so, Brayden has a lot of growing up to do. And I really do hope that he is able to face some hardships because he's sounding really stupid at this point, especially when it comes to that. 
So yeah, yeah, it's 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 we're all friends and everything's great, but look at what you guys do is like terrible. And even if you were to say, oh, we're just de- we're just dealing to Wall Street, those are still people's lives. So then it gets into we jump into the morality of it. Oh, well, they're from Wall Street, so therefore, you know, we're okay. And if we use that exact same mind frame, then you would think, oh, well, it's just a Ponzi scheme. It's people who are already rich. But if you dig deep down it, you're also stealing from grandma's pension and retirement funds and charities. And then you're also destroying families on the same other end with the drugs and tearing cities apart and the jail system and homelessness and overcrowding. So, yeah, Braden, Braden is, is really says a lot of privileged things that he is not aware of. And I hope that he also has some kind of reckoning with that. Um, Tommy was slightly different because he never came from money. But this dude is like, he's a Western, you know, that, that holds something. It is comparable to a Madoff. So she's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about, um, you know, still kind of showing that, that privilege and stuff. Um, but they, they can do some pretty interesting things with that, you know, if, if they choose to explore those kind of themes a bit more, you know, the privilege he has and stuff and how it affects him and his family. Like, um, they could do some really interesting things with that if if they want to flesh that out. But, yeah, that, that's a good observation that, that uh, you have of Raven character. Um. But yeah, with, with that being said, you know, we're going to get to final thoughts now. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll end off. So I'll just hop in here real quick because mine's pretty quick. Um, my final thoughts, you know, I, I enjoyed the, the little Tahada scene at the end where things caught up to Monet. That was a nice little payoff. Um, I, I, I would hope that they do something with that and, you know, choose to kind of um, focus on that a bit more and, and have Monet fully process what happened in that situation with her family turning on her. But, you know, you never know with power because things move on so fast. So, yeah, but that that little scene they had there was, was a great payoff. Um, and then also I wanted to highlight the Kane lawyer scene where... Um, he he kind of snuck his way into the the um the the uh I don't know what you call that room, but you know, where Effie is basically he snuck in to talk to her, um, disguised as a lawyer. Um and that that scene it was a little silly, but I liked it just because it kind of shows another layer to to Kane's character and also it shows the range of the actor's, you know, talent and everything. Um, uh, what, what's his name again? The actor Woody McCain, I think. Is it Woody McCain? McLean. 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 Okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, he he is a great actor. I feel like he has a um a big future as well in the industry. You know, even beyond power. Like I feel like he he's got um he's got the kind of talent that's going to transfer. I think to to other places. So. Um, seeing that scene was pretty good because he doesn't he doesn't kind of get to show that side often 
Um, and then, you know, you had the fact that Effie kind of shut him down because, you know, he went in there, you know, trying to help her. And he had this master plan to try and help her get out and stuff. And he thought he was doing something really good for her. And she kind of shut it down. Like, you know, I'm not built like that. I'm not going to snitch on Tariq. Um, and then we see he kind of like, he takes it, you know, kind of harsh. Like he takes it bad, badly and stuff. So just seeing that was great. Um, so yeah, I wanted to highlight that. And then, you know, my, my final thought is... You know, Rich Rich already said it, but I have a lot to say about episode 10. So please tune in next week because it's going to be very interesting. So, no, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, yeah, those are my final thoughts. How about you, Dana? Do you have any final thoughts? I got my non-dinner dinner thing, so I'm happy. It, it took me a while. Um, I'm happy the fact that, you know, it wasn't like a big secret that was kept over, you know, two seasons. Everything kind of came out. And I really do like that. I, I really wish that I would have gotten some more, a little bit of fighting in terms of people were like, you know, Kane knew everything, but didn't say anything. That I think would have just, you know, as a sibling would have torn me to pieces to be like, one, you cannot trust me with this information. And two, you know, you you didn't do anything to not, you know, enact some kind of revenge or something. You just you, you played it cool. You didn't even show your emotions in your cards. So that's a very interesting dynamic with the Kane character. I want to know more of what he's thinking because he knows everyone's secrets and he knows what's really happening. And he's not saying anything. And he's still kind of navigating all of this. And he's still trying to be the head of, of the family in terms of what should go on with the drugs and, and, and everything. And then knowing that your mom kind of sucks. Um, and it was very interesting, I wanted to say, was the fact that when um, as Evelyn went, her last breath was like Monet. Monet was the one who killed Lorenzo. Um, how Drew didn't react. He said, what? And then when, you know, Kane came in, it was like, what's going on? He's like, she ain't say nothing to me. You know, so it would be really interesting to know his mindset as to what's going on with that and why he wouldn't just blurt it out and, and say what really happened. What was the point of holding that in? I, that would be great to know. Um, also, I was just wondering, you know, if they lost this Rico case, then if they do look into crash coin, does that mean the Rico case is over over? Or is there just another avenue? I don't know law. So I'm really interested in knowing what's gonna happen with crash coin. Um, what them saying about this. Um, and then also, you know, what never really they, they never really touched upon again was remember when they had the guy pretend to be homeless and he saw the Tariq or he saw like the homeless guy mess around with no he was the homeless guy who messed around with the cups and that's how he was able to figure out the false bottoms and the drugs uh we never got a follow-up on that in terms of like oh here's the drugs with this and that's the drug with that and that's how it connected but i thought we would have more of a follow-up more of an investigation into crash coin so i guess they're holding that for the other season um 
so that should be interesting. Uh, but and also, I wonder. Now we stated this before. Monet has to go, and we've seen it in trailers, and we know that I, I said before that in, I feel that in the heart of Diana, when she told that to um, Whitman, she genuinely believed that you know she has to go. And so with all of this turmoil and the fact that they know what really happened with Lorenzo, I really am wondering if Monet is going to have her great big downfall. I think it would be more uh, hurtful if she lost her entire family as opposed to either going to jail for the, for the, the death of Lorenzo. Um, if the family all turned their backs on her and refused to acknowledge her, I wonder how she would be able to function and operate. I don't think she'll fall apart, but I think it'll be a long and very lonely road for her. So I would like to see that happen because again, this character needs some kind of development and we have not gotten that development yet. She's just angry all the time. And when she's not angry, she's, she's fake and manipulative and trying to fake apologize for being angry. So to me, it's all one note. And I need some different notes to be played. I need an orchestra to be brought in. I need the band. And we're, we're bandless at this point. We're still riding that one note. So I need something to happen to Monet. Um, and that would be really nice. So that's kind of all that I have to say about that. Um, yeah. And also, are there more letters that Sachs has written that we haven't seen, gone out yet? So that should be interesting. Is there more people that he wants to kind of make Tariq's life a living hell from? That should be interesting. I don't know who else is in Ghost or Tariq's past, but is there more people that he can that it can be brought back on? We'll see. Well, yeah, we sh- we shall see. Um, we-, we might get an answer to that next week. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, Rich, any more final thoughts from you? Yeah, final thoughts. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this episode of Power. Uh, and as, as for episode 10, there's a lot to say about episode 10, but uh, we're not going to talk about that until next week. So stay tuned for that discussion. I will, however, just let, just let everybody know, though, no, Sachs did not send out any letters revealing every single detail that happens in season four so at least for now we don't have to worry about that getting leaked but uh let's see what happens in the future shall we <laughs> oh yeah that that was the theory that uh sax was the real leaker so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he sent out episode uh nine and ten so there you go <laughs> that would have been hilarious i still have a theory i still say it was too safe Say that again. I still say it's fifty. Yeah, it is fifty. <laughs> it makes the most sense. It has uh, to be. So he has the biggest grudge, and he's a troll. And he's just yeah, hilarious. He, it has to be. I think, I think it was him because he like that post he put on Instagram where he had his his photo next to the stars logo. <laughs> I was like, that's the moment. I was like, okay, it was him. He leaked it. <laughs> Yeah, that was hilarious. He always leaks it, and he leaks it. I think on like every every season something gets leaked, and I think it's him. Just so then he can go and brag. See, we have the highest numbers, 
and they still watch. Yeah, this is right out of his playbook because um, when it, when he was a rapper and he had an album coming out or something like the way you you get you you get people interested in it and get the numbers up is by to get people talking and you know this is straight out of his playbook to create marketing you know and stuff so i i you know i i do think it could have been him like he he is like the number one suspect but i still think it was planned it might have been planned <laughs> i think it's planned yeah it could be planned like this this you could can, all be marketing you know this could all be an inside job if you really look at it. I don't know, but we've never had, even if you look at all of the shows that have leaked, for example, Game of Thrones, they leak all the time. No show has leaked and it's been a detriment to that show. The numbers will always still be high. People will always still turn in. So it hasn't proven wrong for any show yet. So this, this could be a great marketing ploy. Who knows? Yeah. Like, there are some cases where leaks and bootlegs actually, like, make more money for, you know, the, the people who, who put out the product. Because that means more people are seeing it and the word is getting out more and more. So, yeah. So bootlegs can be a good thing. Deadpool Remember the movie? leak behind Deadpool? And then we got a whole Deadpool movie? Mm. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. But um, people, whoever's listening out there, definitely chime in on the comments. Let us know what you think. Um, like I said, you know, you can say what you want, but try to keep it about episode nine because we are going to, you know, there is going to be an episode 10 episode next week where we're going to, you know, talk about everything, but for now, try to focus on episode nine and what we talked about in this episode, but yeah, let us know your thoughts and we will see you next week, so take care of yourselves everyone. Peace out.